Welcome to the Guidelines Podcast, a once every two weeks discussion about applying user-centered design within South Africa. My name is Jonathan Copeland, and on this episode of Guidelines, I sit down with UX researcher, as well as co-founder and co-director of Monkey and River, Jacques Brosens. With experience ranging from software development to business and user research backed by academia, Jacques has valuable insights on what it looks like to apply user-centered design at every stage of a product's lifecycle. We met up at his office at the University of Pretoria and spoke about his journey from studying software development to learning about and then researching user-centered design. Our conversation covers the outcome of his master's research, approaching user-centered design as a process instead of just as a deliverable. Enjoy. So when I started to first research user experience design, I started to see who within Pretoria was working in our industry. There were a couple of names that came up. And within Pretoria, within Tux, I specifically came across Helene Gelderblom, Rendani Kruger, and Jacques Bronson. And it's been such a pleasure to get to know you over the last period of years. I started to get to know Jacques and Rendani uh, in 2017 was, and ended up starting to work at their startup, Monkey and River, we'll get to that later. Um, but it's been a really cool process of getting to know you and getting to work with you. Uh, would you tell us who you are, what you've been working on, uh, and yeah, some of that. Yeah, so um, I started out at the University of Pretoria studying a degree called uh, BIT, Bachelor of IT which by, basically combines computer science, so um, pro, programming background, mm. um, informatics, which is sort of the application of technology in business, mm. and information science, which has two legs in the sort of multimedia aspect uh, that you're familiar with, but that's sort of your, um, uh, how do you use different uh, forms and different um, channels to interact digitally with um, users, such as gaming and other forms as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's the information science leg, which is knowledge management, information management, and the importance knowledge plays um, within organizations. Mm -hmm. So that was really my background. Um, given that the programming, the technical stuff was, was the hardest part, I would say, um, a person tended to focus a lot on that, so we, um, we so Rendani and I studied the same degree, we studied together, uh, we became friends in second year where we were, you know, in the trenches. With Shared the trauma. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so we really come from a programming background. We software developers, our company started as a software development company. Um, but in uh, our honours, so BIT is sort of a, you, your typical three-year degree, but then included in that is a fourth year where you do... Um, elective honors modules and uh, six months of industry-based training um, so uh, at the time we um, had finished our third year and we had to choose modules for our honors and uh, you know back then the there were obvious picks which was the software development type stuff that um, Brindani and I were into and then there were a few open spots and we were like basically closed our eyes and selected a few you know you know but put our finger down on a paper and see what turned up. 
And um, there's one module was um, INF790 Capita Selector. It didn't even say what the module was. So, <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's see what we get. Um, what it turned out to be was a course on human-computer interaction uh, where the same Helene Gelderblom was presenting um, the course and through the, um, you know, th um, through the course of that um, module, um, Helene basically, you know, typical, uh, it's, there's this charisma about her but also this true um, authenticity where she clearly explained to us what the benefits are of, you know, having empathy when you develop technology. Sure. And, you know, we just, we did the assignments and so on, but we were more bought over by the, the philosophy behind that module. You know, there were the methods and there were the constructs and all these things, but the philosophy behind it. Mm. And um, we were just sold over immediately and we knew that this is, uh, we weren't going to be very good at it immediately and we'll, we still have a far way to go. And uh, neither Indani and I were um, creatives, you know, we weren't very artistic type people, um, uh, but we knew that whenever we sat down and tried to develop technology, we needed to start following these principles and make sure that the technology wasn't only usable, um, but, you know, thinking about the emotions being evoked when you develop technology. So that's how we got into uh, user-centered design. And um, uh, that's what uh, I studied. Uh, my, I went on to do my master's mm -hmm. where I focused on user-centered design and user experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently busy with my PhD where I'm still looking into um, user experience. Sure. Yeah, I find it so interesting about UX is it's, it's very seldom a direct path into it. Uh, I don't know of any UX-specific degrees. But you have people coming in from BAs, you have people coming in from computer science, from information science, all of these different fields where people kind of get funneled into it. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. So, so we, um, I've heard people coming from all kinds of backgrounds, um, you know, and there's this demand in the industry now, but maybe partially because of this hype around UX, um, but also just a lack of you know enough skill out there yeah. um, so people are realizing that there is this demand out there and pivoting their careers towards it mm -hmm. um, we are actually looking in this university to to establish a degree and um, we just had a, a chat with um, Dr. Marie Hatton a few weeks ago um, where um, we've got a pathway now to establish a degree um, specific for human-computer interaction and user-centered design. Sure. So we'll pursue that and, and probably by 2020, 2021 latest, we'll have a, um, it should be the first, you know, undergraduate degree focused on delivering um, UX designers. Um, so we're really excited about that and that's going to sort of um, combine um, subjects in psychology you know so, so cognitive psychology it's going to combine information design uh, modules it's going to combine informatics programming um, so and a bit of business and marketing so all that in one degree i think is going to be really interesting i wish i was yeah. a bit younger and i could do that degree but no, yeah. I think it's a that's going to be incredible when it comes out what's your involvement going to be in it when it's out right so um, that, that's we're, so we're a team of I would say um, four peoples, uh, that, four people that kind of want, we have this lab downstairs which um, 
was uh, so at the, at the University of, of Pretoria um, called the Informatics Design Labs. Mm -hmm. um, one of the labs we have there is the User Experience Lab. Mm -hmm. um, we've built, uh, it was started um, by Helian Gelderblom mm -hmm. a few years ago. Sadly, she passed away. Mm -hmm. um, it it's been taken over by um, uh, Prof. Hanley Smits. Um, who's absolutely remarkable when it comes to you know strategizing, organizing, and just you know getting things done, um, you know getting people together, organized, signing roles, and you know just meeting, you know taking steps forward, mm. um, instead of it just being an idea that always yeah. remains an idea. Mm. So that's really been um, uh, you know amazing what she's um, brought in and um, how she's pushed us to move forward. What we've done is created um, the strategy for the lab. And our broad mission is just to create awareness, especially um, with young uh, information technology students, mm -hmm. that you can't just go out there and build these state-of-the-art technologies. Mm -hmm. You need to have the human aspect involved as well. You need mm -hmm. to have empathy and think about, um, it's not just how cool the technology is and what functions it can mm -hmm. uh, perform, it's also about um, how people actually use it and one, what impact it makes. So that's the broad outline of, so it involves research output, it involves um, interacting with industry. We want to work with industry so that we can learn and they can learn from us. So um, the methods we try to use, we try to make sure it's based on science, it's not based on what we think is based on yeah. our opinion, but yeah. on, you know, proven methods. Uh, but, uh, we trying to bring that to industry, at this, but at the same time have access to industry so that we can also learn and improve the way we work. So this degree forms a very important part of that sort of vision where um, we need to be able to, as a university, um, put people in industry that bring this uh, skill set. Practically. That practically understand how to go about systematically, coherently designing technology in such a way that it will evoke um, positive uh, responses from users and actually meet their needs. Okay. So our, our goal, um, our role will be to, to answer your question yeah, finally, yes, is yes. to coordinate the, the modules, to, so to decide what goes in the degree, what doesn't go in the degree, okay. um, uh, who gets involved, uh, maybe to uh, present a few of the modules in the course as well. So, so whilst you're preparing for this, you're busy, um, you're a PhD candidate at the moment, you've, you've done your master's and you're busy lecturing at Tux. Correct. Would you be able to tell us about what you're, what you're lecturing at Tux yep. and then about some of your master's and then we can maybe get to some of your business work after? Sure. Um, so what we're lecturing at the moment is um, advanced programming on a second and third year level in the informatics department. Um, we just redid the um, syllabus uh, uh, for the department mm -hmm. to make sure it's sort of in line with what industry needs. As I said, we're still very much into uh, the software development space. Um, That's what I love so much about like yeah. UX. You can come at it from so many, so many different perspectives. Right. We've come in very much from a software development perspective. So, so we find that so. We find that's a bit, that's something we haven't encountered a lot of. You, you wouldn't find, um, perhaps your experience is different, but what we've experienced is that there aren't really that many developers that, no. that buy into this UX thing. You know, you've heard all the, um, you know, all the uh, sayings that UX is a, um, a making the screen pretty, you know, it's yeah. all about user interface. Basically fancy UI. 
Exactly, yeah. and we've got a completely different view of it. We feel that the developer developing an algorithm um, there in the background has such a big impact on user experience mm. and developers need to understand the impact that their code um, has on the user yeah. and it's not just about getting it working. Can yeah. I quickly interject? Something sure. that you hit home by and what I've always remembered about what you said is you spoke about UX as a process. You almost touched on this now what you were saying about with the programming but what is your view on not just UX like applying it but the process of UX? Yeah. So, um, my view of, if you look at user experience, to just become a bit academic here, so user experience in the end is a result. It's a sort of vision that you want to achieve, you know, it's an outcome. So, you can leave that up to chance and say, okay, I'm going to develop a piece of software, I'm going to put it out there. Uh, I may or may not care about the aesthetics of it, but in any case, I'm going to put it out there and let's see how people react to it. You know, and very often what happens is you put it out there, you didn't, your assumptions that you had when you built this technology were most likely flawed because your frame of reference um, was completely misaligned with the frame of reference of the users um, and that the result that comes out of that is frustrated users. So UX is a result, right? The process we're talking about is how to orchestrate that experience. So there are many aspects of user experience that you don't have any control over. So you don't necessarily have control over making sure that all the users that use your technology have exactly the same uh, background, socioeconomic circumstances, um, training, whatever. You don't always have control over all of that or sometimes even influence over any of that. But what you can do is to understand what users are going to be using your technology. So that's the first aspect of user experience um, is that understanding perspective. So that part where you do research, you understand who your users are, understand what, what their needs are, what their wants are, what their expectations are, um, to understand what the real problems are. So that's that um, research type role of UX. Um, then you need to be able to analyze that problem and find a solution. So you have this generative uh, process, which is the UX design. So typically what you find in any um, career website, you know, recruitment websites, if you type in UX, 90% of the, of the uh, jobs being called for are UX designers. And what the role entails is essentially um, designing screens. Mm -hmm. But uh, if we just use an example, um, if you interacting with a simple mobile app um, that has a very specific uh, purpose, so um, a panic button app, for example, um, a lot, so you're in a difficult situation, maybe there's a crime going on and you need to hit the panic button. Mm. Um, how much of that really um, has to do with aesthetics of that user experience? How much of that is about the responsiveness of the actual application, as in the infrastructure that supports the pressing of that button, how quickly your app can load up, um, uh, how quickly the ecosystem that supports whatever happens after you press that button, how quickly that responds and how quickly or how that app allows you to manage your stress in that situation. So you have all these examples of 
where UX is not just about aesthetics, mm -hmm. it's about the entire package, like the speed of your server, the efficiency of your algorithm, um, the architecture of your software, the reliability of your software, the level of that you trust the software, so you're putting in credit card details or location or whatever into the software. All of that affects the experience because experience is a perception that happens in the mind of the user. So um, my view of UX is this research part where you understand, this analytical part where you um, sort of decompose the as-is state into its um, bare uh, atomic parts and coming up with a solution that can solve that problem. So there's this creative part to it and again the analyst part to test. So it's not just about the design. Sure. And um, that's why I feel myself, I'm not a very necessarily artistic or, you know, I wouldn't put myself out there as a UX designer. I'm far more of an analyst, but I still feel, and a developer, and, but I still feel I have a, a very important role to play in the UX space. Sure. And that's something I've felt that uh, industry haven't, hasn't always necessarily got right. Rather, it's industry can often view it as being just that aesthetic thing but actually it's more of a process thing okay that's that's interesting um we were talking about your lecturing and how did you lecture at Tux and then how that's led to you doing masters and, yeah. yeah so so the lecturing is more sort of a my passion is is around my research which okay. is um, user-centered design uh, for the sake of improved ux yes. um, across different industries different um technological applications. Um, my lecturing is sort of a thing that the university needs me to, um, to provide that research, service yes. and if um, I'm able to fill that gap by lecturing then it allows me to also uh, work on my research. So um, what, like I mentioned, the interesting part is how the programming background has actually provided me the opportunity to provide an alternative view of UX Sorry. instead of the typical view you would find of, uh, of UX out there. Okay. Yeah. So, my masters, um, so uh, my masters uh, was under Prof. Lien again. Um, it was a natural choice out of honours. We just wanted to continue. We wanted to know more about the space. So my masters um, looked at I had this, like, I was completely convinced after my honours that, you know, the value of user-centered design um, for business is so, was so obvious to me, I, I guess it was the way it was taught to us, that um, I was struggling to understand why this, you know, why this didn't gain the traction um, that I thought it should um, gain in industry. Mm. And so I had this, this question of, of um, you know, what were the things hindering the application of UX in industry, the adoption of UX in industry? Besides the point that it was business value, I think, it, I think it's also the responsible thing to do. You know, yeah. it's in, in, in a society where uh, digital isn't just a, an extension of ourselves, but it, it shapes our reality to a large extent. Um, we need to think about what the ethical responsibilities are of those that develop technology. And uh, I needed to understand why industry wasn't taking this more seriously. So what I did was I went out to interview uh, six project managers. So I didn't want to interview UX people that necessarily had 
already bought into UX. I wanted to interview perhaps whether they bought into it or not, I wanted to see, but I also, it was kind of um, agnostic to UX perhaps. Mm. Um, so I would go to six large enterprises in South Africa from six completely different industries and basically just have interviews with them to find out what they think, what, what their understanding is of UX, which was interesting because not everyone had the same understanding about UX. Um, and then what they perceived as the benefits of UX, but also uh, what they perceived as the hindrances of UX. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone that's read up on UX uh, would know some of the basic findings, you know, that you need executive buy-in, um, that there's just not enough time and UX is perceived as a nice to have because um, you know, at the bottom line, the reason people adopt technology is to attain some sort of value, mm -hmm. you know, so um, usefulness, yes. I, I need to achieve my task, I need to achieve my tasks, so I adopt this tool because it will help me achieve my tasks. Um, so now you've got this um, move towards agile, we've got your two week sprints, and the idea is um, get features out, hit your deadline. Um, one project manager, manager told me about this, um, had this anecdote where he said that um, CEO, the, the executives had, had um, I think the marketing team had, had booked out, a, they were launching a big uh, product um, and they were busy working on a big product. Um, and the marketing team had booked out a full page ad in one of the top newspapers in the country saying that next Sunday this product is launching and these people were sitting back there thinking like what like we have so much work to do left. I can't imagine that we're going to be ready by next week Sunday but now that full page ad is out there we have to deliver by next week Sunday and for that reason UX is naturally not part of something that's added to the process but what I found really um, what my key finding was out of my masters, I felt, was actually the view of UX in totality. Uh, the view of UX was very much an add-on skill set that you need in the project environment, where you do everything that you would normally do, and then you add UX on at the end yeah, to kind of... It's like a piece of Lego that you just slot in. Slot in. Okay. Where my view of UX was, in fact, a it was a bit of a paradigm shift so my view of ux was that your whole approach changes from the very start yeah. so your goal is ux your sure. goal isn't delivering quantity of features your goal is rather delivering quality of experience sure. so having that part and, and there's a very good um, justification business justification for that paradigm shift purely because what drives customer loyalty isn't necessarily always having the feature available. It, in many cases, it's rather um, the emotional attachments people, and there's lots of research that, that points to that, mm -hmm. is that the emotional attachment that uh, people um, form with uh, products, and therefore they build this loyalty, and over time, um, the return on investment is um, enormous and we've seen that in the work we've done it's really been small little changes in the way teams have done things um, the return on that um, has been amazing and and the problem with ux is just that the return is 
intangible. Mm. You know, customer loyalty is something you see over the over a period of time. It's not something that you tweak your approach now and you immediately, um, you know, get the benefits mm. same day. It's it takes a bit of time. Mm. Um, so what my fundamental finding was um, that this quantity was uh, was prioritized over quality and basically the reason for that was software teams or technology development teams uh, tend to offer a service of some sort mm -hmm. to these large organizations so you have business representatives that are in charge of making sure the business um, makes more money or reduce costs so you know that profit motive that the business has and the product development team is there to service business. So business says, hey, we know what our customers want. They want the following. And, and the product development team needs to say, oh, okay, let's go away, develop this little technology, deliver it according to the time, budget, um, and requirements that the business people have um, requested or specified. Um, what I found was business people because of not understanding the value of UX and perhaps not even being aware of UX, business people, not technology people, um, weren't aware of UX. So they never, as part of their agreement or, um, you know, sort of call it a service level agreement or their expectations towards these product development teams, they never mention UX. It's never a part of the equation of working out whether a project was successful or not. The only way they determined project success was it was delivered or it wasn't delivered from a, 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 the product team's perspective. Mm -hmm. So they would develop something and if they delivered it before the specified date and within the budget, they were seeing successful. it was successful, they would all get their bonuses, the team would be praised and tapping each other on the back. But to me, it didn't make any sense that that's the the definition of success because if you del if you ship a product and no one can use that product um, how can that be declared so that would maybe be defined as a failure for the business as a whole but somewhere if you look in the track record of the product development team they would put that down as a success even though the product out there failed sure you know what I mean so um, that was something I felt needed to change in business, where business people, even though they're not part of the technology space, because so many of their products that they ship, channels that they interact with customers are digital. Um, and by the way, user-centered design doesn't only need to apply to digital, it can be applied to services, it can be applied to any interaction with your customer. But specifically around technology, um, business had to take accountability and demand from the product development teams that user experience be part of the equation. Okay. We demand from our team, uh, follow a user-centered approach because that will benefit um, us in the long run. Uh, something that I'd just like to clarify, it seems like the traditional view, as you said, the traditional view on UX is like we have our, our different roles. So we have the development, we have all that kind of thing, but then we put UX on top of that. Yeah. You're suggesting that business is the process through which we do that. Sure. Now, a lot of times the, the issue that people have with, the business people will have with putting UX in is that to almost find budget and find time to put something new on top of it. You're suggesting that the way that it's actually gone about from start to finish is through a UX perspective. 
how would you, I mean, like then you're not spending more. Yeah. You're actually just changing your processes. Right. I think that's a big distinction to make. Sure. UX does not require a whole lot more budget. No. And I, th that, I think that that would be a blocking factor for a lot of sure. people thinking that they have to add in more budget. Agreed. Okay. So, so I've got two responses to that. The first thing is, let's assume UX did, was just an add-on and UX did require more resources and budget and yes. so on. Uh, my argument with that is it's still worth that initial investment because um, you, in the long run, make that money back, um, you know, tenfold. Mm. Uh, in, in the sense that you gain customer loyalty, you um, reduce the number of errors you expose users to, mm. which reduces costs to your call centers. Although all those arguments have been mm. had. But like you said, it doesn't ne necessarily even need to cost you so much more. Mm. Um, and the reason for that is it's if you can modify your approach. So um, I'm starting to play with these concepts of user-centered developers user-centered business analysts, user-centered um, testing, mm -hmm. which simply means your approach is to involve user representatives. Just spend a little bit more time up front, which is time you'll save at the end in any case, um, to get to know your users. Mm -hmm. And by doing that and involving your entire multidisciplinary team up front, getting to understand the users, you save a lot of effort down the line. Mm. Um, so um, there's, this, there's this idea that um, you know, everything used to be waterfall, your development methodologies, which was this you know, plan-heavy, two-year you know, run-up to a project with documentation um, to the ceiling, and you know, once something is signed off, it never goes back, or that type of thing, where you need to get, you know, <laughs> change your request and so on. Um, then you went full agile, which is, you know, all changes welcome, um, but sort of ultra flexibility. Um, but we don't have time to plan. We don't have time to design. It's just jump in and code. Um, I feel like there's a user-centered design process somewhere in between where we can spend a little bit, maybe um, one sprint up front to understand our users and do initial design. So there are... Um, agile user-centered design methodologies that have been proposed and um, applied and work very well where you've got a team of, of UX analysts and designers that work concurrently with your team of developers they just work a sprint ahead of your developers um, and then um, a more recent proposal was to have a third stream um, which could be you know cross domain uh, team of researchers. So you've got a stream that's purely there to know the customer. You've got a stream there that's there to um, sort of bridge the gap between the stream that knows the customer and the development stream. So they come understand the users, come up with the designs, um, provide the designs with the developers, the, de the developers develop and um, the analysts test as the developers finish features. So you've got this methodology that at the end of the, of the day delivers at most two weeks later uh, than standard um, methodologies that you find out there today, but deliver a far better experience mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, and 
the current methodologies seem to on paper deliver earlier. I mean, the product ships earlier, yeah. but the how much call, how much do you spend to go and rework where sure. things are shipped and just don't work? I'd rather get it so, right the first time. Yeah, to me, it's just a no-brainer. There are ways that you can incorporate user-centered design okay. in cost-effective ways, um, but it requires you to rethink your entire process from start to finish, not just hiring in a UX designer yeah. and saying, hey, um, we need the following screens, go and design them for us, please. Okay. So, so your, your master's was looking at multiple different industries, multiple different project managers and asking them their thoughts on UX. Right. What was your, like the overall feedback that you got? Yeah. So my overall feedback was uh, business people needed to demand from project development mm. teams that okay. UX um, be a success, a success measure, mm. a metric of success for okay. the project. So project success would not be, um, would, or a project would not de be deemed successful if the quality of experience okay. was um, bad. And that's what we're aiming for. That's, in my opinion, my next step is mm. to try and aim for that, to okay. try and, and I think it's gonna be a process, it's not gonna be overnight, but I think in a world where You've got an ocean of competitors mm. and um, you know solutions coming out where today you can ship something but tomorrow um, some people can you know overnight you can yeah. see uh, a similar app coming out uh, that competes with you you cannot necessarily compete um, to uh, in the sense that you're the first one out anymore you okay. need to compete on uh, ensuring that your customers appreciate uh, what you've put out there for them okay so just to to clarify what you're what you're getting across the masters it was when speaking with people in business you need to communicate the the business benefits of ux okay uh, not just as something to be tacked onto the process but a way of handling it from start to finish to have a an output that a deliverable output of users being able to use something and have it as a return experience so they want to keep coming back to sure. it is that how you'd say you'd sum it up i agree yeah okay so but i don't want to make it sound necessarily that it's this complete um you know if, you, if you've got your your um, current methodologies in yes. place you have to you won't have to throw all of that out of the window you can reconfigure that okay. to simply be user-centered okay so you have a few more you you upskill the yes. people being user-centered is something that's that's within us all okay it's you know we can configure our minds to not assume that we are the users mm. um, but to understand put ourselves in the user's shoes developers can do that just as much as business analysts just as much as testers yes. uh, just as much as project managers okay so that it's just a reconfiguration adding on a few extra perhaps skill sets in the, in the sense that you have your designers and and so on to add on to um, uh, to add on to the team uh, but I really think it's a simple reconfiguration of your methodology okay. and an education awareness on a business level that we as a business demand user experience okay. it's not it's not it shouldn't be left up to the product development it becomes team. the culture yeah if, it, if it's left up to the product development team they will choose the shortest path because if they get told um, you have to deliver the following hundreds of features before some crazy deadline. Mm. 
they will throw out of the window the things that weren't explicitly asked of them. Okay. So if, if, if a business does not explicitly expect UX from a product, then the product development team will not deliver that. Okay. And that's the fundamental finding. Okay, that's very useful. All this talk about business, uh, I'd like to start talking about Monkey and River. Sure. So you are a found, founder and co-director of Monkey and River, that's correct. That's correct, yeah. Okay, could you tell us more about Monkey and River? Yeah. How long have you been around, what, what your offerings are? So yeah, um, we founded Monkey and River in uh, 2015. Um, it started out purely as a software development company and we still are we still develop that uh, you know develop software mm-hmm. uh, we develop bespoke uh, software solutions so people tell us what their requirements mm-hmm. are and we build custom solutions mm-hmm. uh, um, we sort of target the smaller to medium um, business space so uh, you know we, we try and offer affordable uh, technology solutions um, but then through our research uh, we obviously we can we have to practice what we preach. So through our research, we've pivoted over time towards a user-centered software development, design and development. Cloud. So we offer our UX like UX services, um, you know, testing solutions. We um, uh, a, a part of my PhD, uh, which I've already um, worked out a instrument to audit solutions or ecosystems for the user experience it um, uh, it evokes mm-hmm. um, and so these are the types of services we do user research we do user experience design we do user experience evaluation um, but we also then do the full stack development um, but um, with a philosophy of user-centered design completely in place it's bringing together both of your personal journeys with regard to UX, Absolutely. software and research, exactly. which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so. With that, uh, I know that the U- Monkey and River is very close to the UX Labs at Tux. What's that relationship and what offering does UX Labs offer as well? Yeah, so How can maybe other people working within UX in Pretoria or South Africa take advantage of that? So... Um, the University of Pretoria, we work and research within the University of Pretoria. Um, they have the facilities, the equipment, um, uh, you know, to do anything in, that you can think of um, in the field of UX. And, um, and they have done so um, since Ilian started year, um, you know, years ago. Um, uh, what we've done is, through our research, we've extended and, and made sure that uh, any of the methods, the services and so on, um, that we produce are science-based. So there's some form of a partnership that is established between um, us and the, the UX lab um, where you know, we provide uh, the, the expertise, the experience, um, the, the hands, the people uh, to um, perform the, uh, the, the work, you know, carry out the work, whereas the university is like our scientific grounding, if I can call it that. So we continue to work with the university to ensure that our um, offerings are science-backed, that they are rigorous, 
that we don't just bring in our own opinion um, into our processes. And of course, then the universities um, facilities, we also um, you know, work closely together with them to make sure that the facilities um, up to scratch so that they can do the most state-of-the-art research. Um, and then we also obviously use the facilities to do a lot of our lab work. Are other companies within Pretoria and South Africa, are they able to take advantage of those yeah. facilities? So, so the facilities are open to be hired out. So just okay. because we have a relationship mm -hmm. with the um, UX lab here doesn't mean that we're the only ones that should. Yeah. Um, our vision as a company and as the UX lab um, is in totality, we want to advance um, this idea or advocate for this idea of user-centered design. Mm -hmm. um, it's far bigger than our profit motive in our company or anything like that. It, we, we establishing a degree in HCI because we want people to go out there uh, that understand how to um, evoke or orchestrate positive user experiences. That all adds to the, the greater um, uh, good in that sense. You know, so we're establishing the degree through our work um, as a company. We try to help other companies to deliver positive user experiences through the experience that we've picked up. Um, through, through the lab, we try, um, you know, the university is trying to establish a space that um, uh, people can come around and talk about UX and think about UX and come up with new methods um, to make UX better. So we're kind of attacking this thing from, from multiple angles and seeing where, um, where it leads us. But one thing that all of us that are involved shares is this idea that technology needs to be responsibly designed and designed in mind of the people that have to use it. it, cannot, it we cannot live in a future where that doesn't happen because um, technology is forming uh, a too important part in our lives. Um, it has such a big role in shaping our reality that we can't not think of this. Mm -hmm. UX across education, business and research. Right. Jacques, thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. If people want to find out more about you, about what, your, what Monkey and River's offerings are, some of your research, how to get in touch with you directly, how would you recommend they go about doing that? All right, so um, they can hit me up with um, at my email address is uh, jacques.brosens at up.ac.za. I'm sure you'll be able to put this right in. We've got a, I've got a, um, I'm on LinkedIn, so they can hit me, they can contact me there. Cool. Um, uh, we've got our Monkey and River Facebook page. We're on Twitter mm -hmm. and on LinkedIn. Okay. So our company um, is available on, on those social media platforms. Um, and they can also contact the Department of Informatics at the University of Pretoria should they want to get in touch with uh, the lab. Mm, okay. Jacques, thank you so much for making the time. I really enjoyed this. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll chat to you soon. Cool. Cool. Thanks. Legend. Hell yeah.